I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to the first All Things Policy episode of 2023. Since this is a new year, we thought we'll try something different. So this is an unusual episode in the sense what you're going to be hearing today is predictions by some of my colleagues for what is going to be happening in 2023, how they see things turning out in some of the areas that they work on or they closely follow. And the utility of all this is something that we've discussed before in a couple of episodes in All Things Policy. I personally am a big believer in forecasting. It's important that we make predictions, not for crystal gazing or anything like that, but just so that as analysts, we try to question the assumptions on the basis of which we come up with predictions. So this is something that Philip Tetlock has written in the book Super Forecasting that we often engage in something called outcome irrelevant learning. That is, whenever we make some implicit predictions and whenever things go wrong, we are able to explain that outcome due to some extraneous factors and we don't question our own assumptions that led to the predictions in the first place. So the only way to change that is to actually make precise predictions and then see if those play out in the real world or not. And if they don't, go back and ask what our assumptions were and why they were wrong. So that's what we're going to do. In today's episode, you're going to see a set of predictions for the year. And hopefully at the end of the year, we will record another episode where we'll see if these predictions did actually play out. And if they didn't, we'll get the same guests and ask them, has there been any change in their thinking on these topics or not? So that's what it is. And wish you a great 2023. And we'll begin now with the predictions. Thank you. All right. So our guest for today's episode is Shambhavi Naik. Shambhavi is the head of research at Takshashila and she does a lot of things related to biology, policy and research in general. So Shambhavi, welcome. What is your prediction for 2023? Please give us hope. I think there is hope on the horizon. I think we'll at least see one mRNA vaccine being approved, most likely for flu. Because I think flu is, flu, you know, changes every year. Hmm. So every year we need to have a new flu vaccine. Right. What happens with our traditional approach to vaccines for flu is that you have to look at circulating flu vaccines and then it takes about six to seven months to develop a new vaccine using traditional approaches. Hmm. With the mRNA vaccine, you can do it quicker hmm. and at scale. Hmm. So what it means that we will be able to make the vaccine closer to the actual flu season, which means we might have a better understanding of the new flu variants which might come in, Hmm. which means that the vaccine might be more efficient. I think as a platform, mRNA vaccines are much better placed for tackling flu than the other vaccines. Obviously, the US is invested in creating flu vaccines. So I think we should see one mRNA flu vaccine. And when we say... This vaccine, so you're saying this will be approved this year, in 2023 approved. and it will be approved by one country in the world at yeah. least. Yeah. Okay. And for flu specifically, for flu. right? And does this mean that this vaccine, like if because of mRNA vaccine allows us to do this 
preparation faster? Does it mean we could have like multiple flu vaccines in the same year also? to be better targeted to the it would, virus? It would likely mean we have a universal flu vaccine. Okay. So mm. then it means that we just, all over the world, we might have the platform mm. and just we create flu vaccines on the go. Okay. That would be cool. Awesome. Now what is your second prediction? More hopeful news. Okay. I think we should also see our first CRISPR gene therapy being approved. That would most likely be for sickle cell anemia. That is the most hopeful, I think, from the clinical trials that are ongoing. Hmm. But I think both for mRNA vaccines and for CRISPR, right, the last two years have been both a boon and a curse in sorts because we have seen like, the mRNA vaccines for COVID, we saw the, just the sheer pace at which they hmm. came. Right, We have not been able to do that with traditional vaccines. Yeah. So that was kind of a boon. They got accepted. There have been side effects. I think a lot has to be done to study the impact of mRNA vaccines. And that has now raised speculation about those vaccines. Mm. Right. Similarly for CRISPR, I think CRISPR, when it came, big promise with it. Mm. Over the past few years, we have heard a lot of CRISPR. Uh, and then, then these have been the fears of bioweapons. Again, COVID brought that out. Are you doing experiments, especially uh, gain of function? And is that the reason why? And I think there is now mounting evidence that we need to shift that needle back mm. to the positive aspects of some of these technologies mm. because the positive applications is what we need uh, and what we, we should be focusing on, right? And so I think both these technologies the beneficial applications of might get approved in 2023. Right. On the second prediction, is CRISPR-based therapy for sickle cell anemia itself, has it been approved anywhere else in the world? No, it has been approved for clinical trials, but not been approved for commercial purposes. Mm. But I think we might see that in the next in India, that will happen. In India, no. In India, we are in. We are doing clinical trials for hemophilia. Okay, okay. So you are saying again, this is also a prediction yeah. for some country in the world yeah. will do this for sickle cell and yeah. Okay. India, unfortunately, we are not really the path breakers of techno of life science technologies. Hmm. So I really don't know what what we we might see the GMOs being cultivated for the like food crop GMOs being cultivated yeah. for the first time. But uh, yeah. if there's any indication on that, I would bet against it given the opposition to it and various farmer groups are also opposing it now, which was curious. Why would farmer groups oppose it? There are some farmer groups which are backed with political parties too, some which are pro. So, yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks, Shambhavi. Thanks for two predictions, both of which showed some ray of hope. So let's, I hope you are right on both of them. Thank I you. hope so too. Thank you, Pranay. Wishing you and all listeners of All Things Policy a very happy new year. Our next guest for today's episode is Harshit. And Harshit is a real doctor by profession. So, I mean, he's an MBBS doctor and he researches a lot at Takshashila on biology and policy, evolutionary biology, health, etc. So, Harshit, welcome. What is your prediction for 2023? Hi Pranay, thank you so much for having me. So my prediction is that we'll have a zoonotic virus either arising from the African continent or Southeast Asia which will cross country borders and will most probably reach at least some kind of epidemic proportions. It may or may not reach be of great significance in India. So my predictions are based on the following reasons. But that's a very dark prediction, man. Why are you scaring us? Because if you're not scared, how will you prepare? Okay. So why? what's the basis of you scaring us this way? Yeah, so there are uh, basically three points. First point is the vaccination numbers and everything have fallen 
across the world so if you if there's one uh, disease which is affecting your immune system the chances of another disease coming in and mutating to a different horrendous disorder or a chance of a zoonotic virus jumping from an animal to you increases hmm. second of all is malnutrition the nu- the state of nutrition in especially these areas has depreciated in the southeast asia also yeah africa a lot hmm. southeast asia not that yeah. much hmm. not that much but africa a lot hmm. and third is that we are now better at detecting new viruses and hmm. everything so even though there were viruses which were earlier affecting everybody now we have a better detection system right so just because of the increased surveillance yeah. we will be able to probably identify hmm. what might not have been identified earlier and other conditions which you said poor vaccination and malnutrition so yeah. that's why and uh, can you tell what does this epidemic mean it, it will be said so by the who or what Yeah so i think it should be we'll go with the definition that who has and if who states this is the preparedness level of the world and says this is a epidemic mm. then my prediction will be okay. true i hope you are wrong harshit i i do hope that yeah okay thanks thanks rani All right so our next guest for today's episode is Shri Krishna Shri Krishna is the knowledge manager at Takshashila and a lawyer and many many more things and all the the beautiful library we have at Takshashila is because of him so Shri uh, what is your prediction for 2023 So Pranay I have a simple prediction to make and that is based on the events of the last month which I can talk about in detail but my prediction is this that in this year the government will attempt to bring in a new system of appointment of judges to the higher judiciary in this country Okay you said attempt to bring what does that attempt to bring me would does that mean that there will be a law in place or there will be a method in place which replaces the current collegium system by the end of FY23 is that what you're saying Yeah so this can play out in two ways which is why I said attempt one is of course more in a more definitive and structural fashion which is uh, the government will bring in a new law or a constitutional amendment in this case which will sort of either resurrect the NJAC it will not be in the exact form as it was in 2015 because that has already been held to be invalid so they will probably bring it with few more changes which will be palatable to the supreme court and try to sort of uh, resurrect the njc structure which will replace the existing collegium mm. or the second way in which this can play out is this is more of a political process at play considering that the government and the union judiciary cannot be at loggerheads on this issue because uh, the public opinion on this is divided some people do feel that the courts need to continue making appointment to to the judiciary while others feel that oh there is a lot of nepotism opaqueness lack of transparency etc etc in the collegium so the government should have a say so what they can attempt to do is sort of come to a mutual understanding this can be through a court mediated process or like through a memorandum of proceeding which has been in the news for a long time where i feel the government will have a greater say than it currently does right now the government has only two options when a name comes to it mm. it can either accept it or reject it mm. so there'll probably be greater say that the union government through the law ministry gets in the appointment of judges so it can play out in either of these two ways okay so government will have more than two options that they have currently that is what you are betting on exactly okay Okay. and uh, just to add on hmm. they might the government has a little bit more to do other than the two options i mentioned which hmm. is through the ib report hmm. so before any appointment uh, goes through uh, ib submits a report on the judges and their past activities hmm. so that is another way in which the government influences the appointments as of today okay and you think there'll be some changes to that 
then my continue as it is i'm saying in a more formal way mm-hmm. they might be say the file might be passed through the law ministry for instance or suggestions through the law ministry can be taken up mm-hmm. before the collegium in fact writes the appointment and uh, makes a recommendation to the government okay so true to form a lawyer has found three exceptions and there are three conditions that shri has mentioned so we'll see how this plays out shri thanks for joining sure thank you pranay Okay so the next guest for this episode is Bharat Bharat is a program manager of our GCPP technology policy course and is a researcher on high tech geopolitics and many other things so Bharat welcome what are your predictions for this year Yeah thanks for having me Pranay so I have two predictions actually for this year and so the first one is that we will see a 2x increase in the adoption of uh, federated platforms like for example for social media or for communication so for social media you could think of mastodon which is an example which is a rival i mean alternative to twitter or you can think of matrix as an alternative to slack or other platforms so i think there will be a 2x increase in the number of users using these platforms okay so At let's least. make this precise you're saying for mastodon yeah the number of monthly active users will be 2x the number on december 31st 2023 then they are on december 31st 2022 yes and okay. it's already increased significantly yeah so you're cheating months. man it's already increased <laughs> it's already increased over the past two months so i'm okay. saying it'll be 2x from where we are now okay 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 we can and why do you say so One is with all the things that are happening with Twitter. I think there will be some kind of, if not a mass exodus, at least a lot of people moving out. Mm. And the second is, I think, greater awareness from personally about what these platforms, how they work, and mm. how they are, the advantages they offer. And I see them as a better alternative. Are you there on those platforms? I are you there. on Mastodon? Not on the Takshila instance of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, on the other one. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So that was prediction one. What's the other? So the second prediction is that the paid parking situation around MG Road Church Street where our office is so that will improve drastically so the situation how it is now is that we have all these smart sensors and marked parking slots and most of these sensors are not working so you just leave your car and if and you go and negotiate with the parking attendant to give you a to bill you using another parking slot which is working and it's it's really complicated and it's a big mess so i think by the end of the year it will be very easy to park on these places and using a cashless mechanism and it should be pretty straightforward okay so the prediction is that the cashless paid parking system around mg road will improve massively and yes. by improvement we mean it will be most of the parking spots that are there you will be able to park and them park on them without having to negotiate with the parking attendant yes. this is one favorite topic of mine and it feels like it is your a prediction that touches your heart <laughs> because you have to do that yes, every day yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Bharat, both your predictions have some hope in them, you know, in the sense yeah. that I hope you are not mixing hope for yeah, strategy. So it's kind of wishless slash prediction. Yeah. So, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Bharat. Yeah, thank you. All right. So next up is Mr. Carl Jason, and Carl is our program development manager. He does a lot of things at Takshila. So if I start listing them out, this episode will have to double in size. So I will not do that. Carl, what is your prediction for twenty twenty three? 
Hey, thanks for having me, Pranay. Yeah, so I just want to start off by saying that I am a frequent user of the Rapidos and Olas and the Ubers here in the city. Recently taken to the bike taxis that are on offer. So my very, you could call it, you know, sort of partially dark prediction is that either the bike taxis are going to go off the road because the Ottawalas are creating, you know, a huge fuss over this mm. uh, and they have a fairly strong lobby. Mm. So it's either going to be bike taxis off the road or it's going to be lesser licenses and permits for autos. Because at, at the current state of affairs, autos have to basically, you know, submit a civil score, mm. their registration number, mm. pay a fee of rupees 500. Mm. So it is more onerous on mm. them mm. as opposed to the bike taxis. Okay. So that's your prediction. Yes. But tell me one thing. So you're saying this is for Karnataka or for any state in India will have... Stop bike taxes. What is your prediction? So I think the biggest impact has been in Bangalore. Huh. So my prediction is, you know, this sort is of for address. Ban- yeah. So uh, you're saying either bike taxes will be banned. Yeah. Or uh, the number of licenses of autos will be reduced. Would be reduced. Okay. But why would auto licenses be reduced in the sense that there will, within that lobby, there will be some people who will lose out, right? If the licenses are reduced. So I have the data point in front of me. About 25,000 are already unlicensed. Mm. But what has happened is that with bike taxis taking over, their numbers have gone up. Mm. So, and the ride per bike taxi is considerably lower than that of an auto fare. Mm. So having more autos plying will maybe ensure that uh, customers will pick it also. Right. Don't you think they will want to do just increase the fare rate wouldn't that be a better strategy like so, for minimum fare currently is what 14 kilo rupees I don't know how much but you can make it 24 wouldn't that be a more rational strategy so I think here I'm looking at it from as uh, the auto rickshaw association as a pressure group huh. and who wield some Correct. political yeah. sort of uh, exactly sort of that's influence. what I'm saying they would say make it 24 why is it yeah, yeah I mean I, th- I guess yeah that is an option right hmm. to basically have a regulation that increases auto fare Okay, uh, but you didn't say that, there. so we'll not so, account. Yeah, that I, yeah, I can't be uh, yeah. hold, hold so, to account. Okay, we'll take you to task at the end of FY23. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Pranay. So I have with me Suman Joshi, who is program manager of our advanced public policy GCPP course and is generally a public policy enthusiast in many, many areas. So let's begin, uh, Suman. So what is your prediction for 2023? Okay. Hi, Pranay. Great to be back here. And my prediction is in the context of Karnataka. And this year is going to see uh, the assembly elections for Karnataka, I think May or so. While I'm not going to get into predicting who's going to form the government in Karnataka, the other implication that I see is for the hijab ban or the hijab judgment or the hijab rule that was that came into play last year. We saw a lot of discussion, we saw a lot of debate on that and it also went up to the Supreme Court. Now the Supreme Court then actually was a, it was a split verdict and uh, we hope that there will be a larger bench constituted. So my prediction is in two parts. First, that larger bench will be constituted sometime later this year and two, that the bench will strike down the ban and uh, the reason I say that I'm hopeful that the bench will strike down the the ban, is that firstly, the earlier judges have made a case that the essential religious practices may not be the right way to look at these things. And we are going purely on the basis of liberty, choice, and, you know, freedom of choices. Mm. So when look into 
it from that aspect and looking at it from minority rights point of view i think there is a definite case for the hijab ban to be lifted so you are saying that the essential religious practices practices thing will be upheld now in the larger bench no 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 i'm saying they will not look at this problem or this issue through the essential religious practices lens this is not, not an essential, essential religious practice and hence yeah so we will not look at it from an essential religious practices lens but only from uh, the constitutional values of liberty freedom and things so i'm hopeful that the larger bench will uphold these constitutional is values so hope or is it a prediction i am it's a mix of both Okay. Okay, <laughs> thanks so much. So we'll meet you at the end of 2023 and see how this goes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So our uh, next guest is Saurabh Todi and Saurabh is uh, the newest member of our high tech geopolitics team and he works on a uh, lots of things related to geopolitics, technology, etc. So Saurabh, in this new year, what is your prediction going to be? I think that given that the president of egypt has been invited to the republic day parade i expect that the export order of the tejas aircraft will be signed by egypt this upcoming year one potential downside i see like a risk factor to my prediction would be that given that there are many foreign components in tejas some country let's say maybe uk or israel or us may put a hold on the export of tejas to egypt due to some reasons so that's one downside but i think that given the focus of the government to increase defense exports risk factor going up geopolitically i think that an export order is on the anvil in okay. 2023 so is your prediction i think there are two predictions in what you said so first prediction you are trying to say is that there will be one export order announced by a government which will be definitive saying that they'll buy x number of tejas aircraft and this will happen before the end of ay 2023 yes sir okay so that's one and the second prediction was maybe it is egypt we don't know but you are are you also willing to bet that the country some other country which supplies components which go into the tejas platform is going to block that export order i think that if the second prediction happens we will not know about the first one mm-hmm. because the country would not announce that we are buying a, like tejas if india knows that the country that supplies components has disapproved it but i think that 2023 would see an export order signed of tejas yeah if you are saying that then the second one can't happen precisely yeah, because why you yes. so they are mutually exclusive yeah i guess so yeah so i think we'll strike that out okay. we will take the first one that there will be an export control order for tejas which will be announced this year and we'll see it in a major indian newspaper that the numbers of tejas aircraft to be supplied exported are there for everyone to see yes yeah? okay thank you sir thank you Okay next we have with us Sarthak who is our in-house public finance expert and he teaches economics at Takshashila's GCPP and other policies programs so Sarthak welcome what is your prediction for 2023 i think more states in india state governments in india are going to announce as compared to the horizon 2022 they're going to announce domicile based reservation so you are saying if in 2022 one state announced 
then here right now there'll be more than most more how many states announced in 2022 do you know haryana did haryana but did it was taken karnataka also i think there were some announcements jharkhand has also andhra pradesh had some form but okay we have to check that regardless what you're saying is whatever the number of announcements were in 2022 there will be more in number in 2023 is that yeah, right yeah why do you make such a dark predictions yeah i'm not hoping that this should happen yeah. i'm thinking i'm assuming that this will happen two things one is i think there will be the economic growth will be less as compared to last year overall economic growth the growth rate will be less uh, and again maybe because of global economic slowdown or uh, tightening of different global financial tightening by different global financial institutions so this is going to impact economic growth and how do you manage that given that there are multiple elections also lined up in 2023 hmm. as well as 2024 maybe some of the states will make these kind of announcements okay so but isn't the economic growth looking up in the sense positive things for india the overall narrative seems to be that you know no recently uh, these things have been downgraded in the last yeah. couple of but months but 6% growth still right still but it is i mean i think it is not as good Okay, I think given that we have had a pandemic, and again, keep in mind the six percent, you should also take into consideration that you are measuring it against last year, which was again measured mm. as which was compared with pandemic year, yeah. right? So we should ideally be comparing with pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic. scenario, and yeah, yeah, maybe it is not good enough. Okay, Sarthak, so I like a dark prediction. Let's see if it doesn't. You will be happy even if you yeah, are proven exactly. wrong, right? So that yes. way, it is good. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Pranay. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle. at takshashila inst or our website takshashila.org.in